Welcome in to the Cover 5 show. This is a DFS show where we will cover five games from a DFS perspective. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Hilo. How are you doing today, Hilo? I'm doing so well, man. Um, I'm ready to knock off the rust of last week from a DFS perspective, so highly, highly ready to you're, put that behind me. You're, you're a 150 MME guy now, so you know, am, no yeah. longer are a single entry, three entry max, bro. It did not did not go well for you this past week, but we, we are going to get it back this upcoming weekend. The five games we have breaking down today, Colts, Jaguars, Lions, Buccaneers, Seahawks, Bengals, Vikings, Bears, and the game with the highest over-under on the week, the Cardinals, Rams. There's actually no game with over a 50-point total this weekend, so it's going to make it a very fun slate. We have those bye weeks. We have less games on the main slate. It's just a fantastic weekend for DFS, so kick it off to you, Hilo, and get started. You got the Colts traveling to Jacksonville. Jaguars are four-point favorites, and the over-under in this game is 44. Tell me what you like about it. I think the first thing that you need to talk about when you look at this game is of games that are played in week six, this probably carries some of the highest playoff implications that you're going to see. Uh, Typically, we're not used to talking about that in week six, um, but this is the second time these teams have played. The winner will now be alone atop the division in the AFC South. Um, And we know that the Colts, uh, sorry, the Jaguars came out on top in the first meetup. Um, Also, there's some interesting aspects of the fact that the Jaguars are coming home from two games in London. So they've spent the better part of the last two weeks um, overseas and now are coming home to play. So there's a lot of interesting aspects just from a like behind the scenes perspective of this spot. Um, now look at kind of how these defenses are kind of built. We know Gus Bradley's going to play extreme rates of cover three. Uh, we know that's likeliest to benefit Um, Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram. Ingram has seen eight targets in each of the last four games. And I think the field is likeliest to bite off on Christian Kirk here, um, a guy that has seen 40 targets over the last four games. Um, But you look at uh, what we expect from this spot. We have Zay Jones, who's also out uh, for or likely to be out, returned last week after two missed games with a knee injury, only to injure his knee again. Um, So I'm treating that situation as he's out. So uh, the best on paper play here is Calvin Ridley. I think based on where he's priced compared to Christian Kirk, he's going to be lower owned of the two. Um, And Evan Ingram is also an interesting piece to play around with. We also have Travis Etienne, who really had been missing that red zone role uh, on this offense. And he finally scored from five yards out uh, last week, Uh, added a, a run from 26 out as well to pad the stats. Uh, but is this a case where Travis Etienne is now going to be, he's already seen elite volume. Is this the missing piece for him? Is he now going to be in the discussion of the kind of more elite workhorse backs? Uh, I don't know. Interesting discussion for this week. But when you look at like the macro matchups of each of these sides, um, it's really both of these defenses are more or less pass funnel defenses. So How is that going to play in? We know that Gardner Minshew is starting on the other side for the Colts. Uh, We know that this offense kind of loses that ability to run some of these um, RPOs, some of these uh, unique things that they've done with Anthony Richardson, more likely to get a pocket passer uh, and a read and timing quarterback in Gardner Minshew. We know that Josh Downs has seen 
Um, his targets per route run rate spike with Gardner Minshew at quarterback this season. Uh, and we know kind of who Michael Pittman is. We also know kind of who Alec Pierce is downfield guy, 17.7 a dot working downfield has not yet seen the targets to back that work up. So there's just a lot of interesting, uh, ambiguity with this game and the fact that it's a divisional game, the fact that it's the second time these two teams are meeting, the fact that we actually have some playoff implications in week six. Um, it generates, I think, a wide range of outcomes from this spot to where we could see this like divisional slugfest or we could see things really take off because these teams have a lot to play for this week. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of my read on the situation. Wide range of outcomes. The top on paper plays are probably Josh Downs and Calvin Ridley. Evan Ingram, close uh, secondary option to that. Uh, and then potentially some Travis Etienne mixed in as well. Yeah, I agree with you on like the ambiguity. Like it could obviously be a divisional slugfest. I just don't see that with the South, AFC South. Like I feel like the North is just it's just North ball, man. That's just what we we call it. Uh, some of my friends who are Steelers fans and just talking about like watching Lamar Jackson last week. I don't know what spell Mike Tomlin put on the hands of the Ravens receivers, but they couldn't catch for whatever reason. They had been fine all season at not dropping passes. And then in that game, they dropped like three touchdowns, ended up losing just because the Steelers just were keeping them in. But in this game, like we saw Anthony Richardson throw the ball 37 times against the Jaguars in the first matchup because they couldn't run the ball effectively. And that's just a good Shane Steichen does. He's like, oh, we can't run. We're just going to throw it. That's fine. Um, So in this matchup, the way I look at the Jaguars, the Jaguars run defense has been good this year. It's, It's been much improved. They've been playing well against it. So are the Colts going to be able to run? Because in week one, they didn't have Zach Moss or Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, mm-hmm. those two have been playing. Well, Zach Moss has been playing extremely well. Obviously, we don't know what Jonathan Taylor's role is going to be as the season progresses. They're going to amp him up, but Zach Moss has been so good, so you're not going to take him off the field. So if the run game's not there, you might look at a spot where Gardner Menchie's throwing it 40-plus times because he also knows AR's on IR. This is his team for the next four weeks. Now he's looked at as this is we have to make our entire offense for the next four weeks about Gardner Menchu. And who does he like throwing the ball to? There's two guys. It's Michael Mm -hmm. Pittman and Josh Downs. I think a unique way that can be played is just playing both of them with Menchu and running it back with Etienne and Calvin and kind of getting the entire like this is the big shootout. This is the game where everything is working your way. Obviously, Ridley has Averages 4.5 yards per route run against cover three this year. You look at the Colts, obviously, we know they live in it. And then the Jaguars, they also live in cover three coverage. And they're going to in this matchup because it allows you to bring an extra defender in the box to stop that run game with the Colts. And Josh Downs against cover three has about a 30% target share. I think Michael Pittman's a little bit over him. So like 65% of the targets against cover three with Menchu at quarterback have gone to Downs and have gone to Pittman. So it's very simple. I would, I love the double stack of Menchu here, and I love bringing it back with both Etienne and Ridley in kind of this concentrated game environment of, we know Calvin is the way that this game explodes. We want the Jaguars in a lead so that Trevor Lawrence doesn't have his big upside, and we want the Colts to be throwing the ball because that makes the game just kind of go. So that's how I feel like I will end up playing this one. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence has been phenomenal against cover three, so double stacking him with Ridley and Ingram slash Kirk is totally fine. It's just outside of, uh, or Evan Ingram is just 
really popular this week. It's kind of hard to hard yeah. to get off him at the the tight end position. Just there's another guy that I'll talk about later in the show. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the ambiguity with the backfield um, in Indy because that was a, another piece <laughs> of ambiguity from this game that I didn't even mention. Um, but yeah, I like that. I think that um, I think that if you're attacking this spot, the field is highly likely going to have interest in the spot. And I think it's primarily going to be for the salary savers. So Josh Downs um, and Christian Kirk are probably the two that are going to see the most ownership. Um, so yeah. I like leaning into the game environment. And I also like paying up for Calvin Ridley. Um, and I think you can play a skinny with Calvin Ridley and Josh Downs. You can do some yeah. interesting things with this spot. So, um, yeah, it's, it's highly intriguing this week. Oh, yeah, definitely. But let's move forward to our next game. We're going to be talking about the Detroit Lions traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks. The Bucks are three-point underdogs. The over-under in this one is only at 42 points. It's not a huge over-under. So for me, the reason why I love this game so much, Jared Goff is getting zero love this weekend. The 6K range at quarterback over on DraftKings is pulling all of the ownership towards Trevor Lawrence, towards Matt Stafford, towards Joe Burrow. And granted, all of those quarterbacks are in somewhat good spots. But for me, I look at Detroit and I'm thinking, why aren't they in a good spot in this matchup where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming off a bye week? I think what they're going to do is going to address that their run defense that hasn't necessarily struggled. It just hasn't been up to you know years past. I think it's going to kind of fix itself as this upcoming week. And when it does, then we're looking at Dave Montgomery not having a huge game, hopefully. And you look at Jared Goff and you look at his numbers against cover three, which is the primary coverage of the Buccaneers. They live in it as well. He's top three in yards per attempt. He's absolutely killed it all season long. And now he had Sam Laporta pop up with a calf injury. I guess he is practicing today, so he might be back. But for me, Amon Ross coming back. Amon Ross St. Brown averaged over 3.0 yards per route run against his coverage over the last two seasons, not just this year. He has a huge target share against it. And we saw one of our favorite players return, Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams only ran 15 routes. It's not a ton of routes. He isn't exactly in a full-time role. We know that the way the Lions have played some of their players, it's not like they just throw them in and spark them up. But the one thing that I'm in love with with him, 54% of his routes were routes 7 to 9. Corner, post, goes. In a matchup where you're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I assume that they're going to try to stop the run. I assume that they're going to try to neutralize David Montgomery because the way that he's played. When that happens, then you're looking at how does Jared Goff outperform all the 6K quarterbacks? There's two options. Obviously, you have uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a lock. I'm never playing Jared Goff without Amon Ross St. Brown. The target share is going to be there for him, and it's just an easy spot for him. But the way that Jared Goff explodes is through Jamison Williams. It's going to need a deep ball. The way I look at it is going to be similar to the way that Kirk Cousins operated in week one against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. The difference is I'm hoping the Lions have the ball in the second half a little bit more than Kirk Cousins did because Baker Mayfield figured out the signs and Baker Mayfield just kept the ball away from the Vikings. <laughs> you saw Justin Jefferson have 150 yards. That's something that I could see Amon Ra producing. Because outside of AC joint sprain Derek Carr, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have given up over 100 yards to every receiver or a receiver and most mainly the number one receivers, DJ Moore, AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson. Olamide Zacchaeus, Jordan Addison. A lot of these secondary guys have also found a big play touchdown. Olamide Zacchaeus was a little bit 
it just kind of happened. It wasn't supposed to necessarily go that way, but we know Jameson Williams is in a deep role. We know Jameson Williams can get it done. So for me, that's the way I'm going to play Detroit. And then for Tampa Bay, it's just two players. It's it's Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Both of those players are their dominant guys over there. And biggest thing is, is monitoring Mike Evans injury news. Uh, the Detroit Lions don't play man anymore. They're a zone heavy team. Mike Evans, again, zone coverage this year is killing it. He's like fourth or fifth in the league in yards this season. Uh, Baker's been able to find him, tries to throw it up to him so that he can kind of high point it over these zone coverages. And if he's out, Chris Godwin's just going to get a ton of targets. Uh, monitoring Brian Branch's injury news is significant because if Brian Branch doesn't play, then Chris Godwin's in for a huge matchup against this Lions defense that did not cover Adam Thielen. The Panthers offense doesn't exactly operate that well, but Adam Thielen was consistently getting open against the slot corner that replaced Brian Branch. So Chris Godwin would be my guy if Mike Evans doesn't play and Brian Branch is out, not out there. How do you feel about this game, Hilo? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes to down to what who Tampa is on defense this year. Um, they are playing extreme rates of cover three, but they're also blitzing at extreme rates. And their their blitz rate is almost 40%. It's their fourth in the league in blitz rate, just behind Wink Martindale's Giants. Um, the issue for them this year is it's not getting home at the same rate. They have almost a 40% blitz rate. Their pressure rate is a below average 22.4%. So we know, and we've talked about this in the past, we know kind of who Jared Goff is when he's pressured versus when he's not. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks when he's not pressured, and he's one of the least accurate quarterbacks when he is. So if they're bringing pressure, playing cover three behind, and not getting home, this just sets up for an Amon Ra explosion. Um, I think I'm less interested, honestly, in Jared Goff because um, I think this game environment has Fewer paths to really take off sure. uh, compared to the, the last game we covered and some other mm -hmm. spots around the league. Uh, but Amon Ra should not go overlooked. Um, and I haven't looked at ownership yet because I don't do that until Friday evening typically. Uh, but I don't think that Amon Ra is going to garner a ton of ownership. Um, so he's in a spot where, yeah, 12 to 15 targets, 120 plus yards and a touchdown. Uh, he's quickly approaching the optimal discussion. Um, and there's not that many wide receivers who have that within their range of outcomes. No, there definitely isn't. Would you agree though, that Jamison Williams is kind of that pathway for golf to have the explosion rate or because like the way I'm writing it up, because I actually got to my article a little early this week, uh, Josh Reynolds and JMO are kind of the two guys that I'm just like, if I play golf, I'm flipping a coin between. I love Jamison Williams. Josh Reynolds has been able to be the guy every single week. It feels like he just kind of comes up with that 20 to 30 yard catch for golf whenever it's needed to be called upon. Um, would you agree that that's kind of the way that if you did play golf, you would have to double them? I think so. Um, I'm also kind of confused about this team's snap rate at wide receiver last week. I mean, <laughs> Josh Reynolds had been the guy playing that 80% role uh, and his snap rate was down to 47%. He was out snapped by Marvin Jones Jr. God help us. Um, it's true. I don't know. It feels like, <laughs> yeah, it feels like Marvin Jones has to be the odd man out here. Um, primary, two primary wide receivers being Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds. Uh, and then a lot obviously comes down to Sam Laporta's health. Um, but last mm. week they just, they went to 70% 12 personnel. 70% <laughs> oh, yeah. 12 personnel. 
Um, well, that's probably not going to be the case this week. That was because of the Panthers love playing nickel and they mm-hmm. knew that. <laughs> and we uh, linebacking core, not good right now in Carolina. Linebacking core for Tampa Bay is fantastic. Uh, the <laughs> linebacking core for Carolina without Shaq Thompson is is rough. It's it's not a good time there. So that's fair. I will I'll concede that it is a tough spot just because of the way the Lions played last weekend. But Sam Laporta could possibly change that up, and they will be living in three wide if Sam Laporta is not out. But let's move forward to the next game: Seattle taking on. Uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is two and a half point favorites. The over/under in this game sitting at forty-five. Ilo, why did you pick this game? Oh, you're muted. Look at that, muted, perfect. Uh, my dog was barking, man. I was trying to be courteous, and then I <laughs> failed. Um, <laughs> this game, I think, is going to draw a ton of interest from the field. Um, we have obviously Jamar Chase was the top overall performer from fantasy points last week. Uh, we have an. Um, we have. Seattle Seahawks team um, coming off of their bye. We'll just put it as broad as we can because there's some uncertainty here. We have a Seattle Seahawks team coming off their bye. Uh, we have the potential for JSN to see uh, an increase in uh, an increase in whatever snaps in <laughs> involvement, everything in this offense. Um, but this is still an offense that is based heavily from 12 personnel. Um, we know that they are going to increase those rates uh, when playing with a lead similar to that discussion of Detroit from last week. Um, and they have been in this 40 to 60% 12 personnel rate this season um, that benefits running back uh, the most, but at the same time, we have a backfield that is not involved in the pass game. So that kind of relegates um, uh, Walker into this yardage and touchdown back. So can he in this matchup, break hundred yards and score multiple times, 100% because sub four, four speed. Uh, we know that he's kind of this home run hitter running back. The Bengals are near the bottom of the league in explosive rush rate allowed. Um, one of the first bets I took this week was, um, was his longest rush over 15 and a half yards, uh, because the spot sets up so well for him to generate those explosive plays. But I mean, Kenneth Walker is a guy who is going to mix in some stuff at the line or some negative yardage runs as well. So he's going to need, uh, because he doesn't have that pass game involvement, he's going to need those explosive plays and likely to find the end zone multiple times. Um, But he can do that. And when you look at where the field is likeliest to go in this spot, it's probably going to be entirely revolving around Kenneth Walker and um, Jamar Chase. And the field is probably going to play them together because this is a game environment with uh, a, a solid game total. Uh, it's a game environment where uh, we think we know what's going on with the teams, but there's a little bit more paths to failure from this spot than I think the field is going to be paying attention to this week. We've seen this kind of Jekyll and Hyde ebb and flow from Zach Taylor as far as play calling goes, as far as exploiting too high as far as exploiting cover three, which is where the um, Seahawks are going to live this week. So to me, this is a very interesting spot to play around with being underweight on. And yes, this is coming from the guy who faded Cincinnati Bengals last week and got punished for it. Um, But to me, there's more pass to failure in this spot than I think the field is likely to give credit for primarily revolving around 
Zach Taylor and his ability to continue to look to exploit too high. The last kind of discussion in that, uh, or to be had, I think, around that spot is we've seen Joe Burrow is getting better, his calf, that is, getting better, but I don't think it's fully there because watching the tape from their game last week against the Cardinals, Joe Burrow was still almost exclusively playing from shotgun. So that's going to reduce the effectiveness of their run game. So Joe Mixon is almost completely off the board for me. Um, that is also going to make the onus on Zach Taylor to continue to do things with Jamar Chase to exploit those defensive tendencies. And whether or not that happens remains to be seen. It did in week four. It did not in week five. It did in week six. Or sorry, whatever. Uh, did in week three. Did not in week four. Uh, did in week five. Um, so I don't know. There's just a lot of uncertainty with this spot. And I think the field is just going to play Jamar Chase. They're going to play Kenneth Walker. And both those guys have legitimate pass to failure here. Yeah. With Jamar Chase, it's, I think I will be less interested in that Jamar Chase, Kenneth Walker mini if T. Higgins plays. T. Higgins in a weird spot where, like, yeah, he fractured his hip. And all of a sudden he was like practicing and possibly playing last week. I was very surprised. Yeah. And, Obviously, he might be able to give it a go this week. If if T Higgins goes out, I'll be lesser, like I'll be less interested in Jamar Chase because it's kind of there's a he could take away enough from an 8300 Jamar Chase while I'm sitting there staring at a 7700 Amon Ra, a 7600 Jalen Waddle, which I believe is a guy this weekend. Um, and some of the are uh, Calvin Ridley at 6700, where they like Jamar Chase is someone that without T Higgins, I think his floor is like. 18 20 like he's going to get 13 14 targets because in the way that seattle defends they play this soft coverage i have no mm -hmm. idea why they went to this when last year they were so much different um like watching them they're too high type of scheme so it's a it's a spot where if t higgins isn't out there i'm definitely going to be very interested in that jamar chase kenneth walker mini i know the field's doing it i'll get different elsewhere um but with T Higgins, it's it's not a spot I'm going to. Do you have any interest in any of the quarterbacks, or are you staying away from Geno? Um, yeah, I don't I don't think you can at this point, to be honest. Um, Geno has not looked the same. This offense has not looked the same. Uh, and then obviously with Joe Burrow, um, finally they were able to attack downfield with Jamar Chase last week, but it, that calf is is clearly still an issue. Um, and until I see some consistency, I see him not playing out of the shotgun. Um, it's just, I don't think you can go here to be honest. That is fair. Let's, let's move forward to the last or next game. We're going to talk about the Vikings are taking the, taking on the Chicago bears. Bears are three point underdogs. The over under sitting at 44 started with the Vikings. Yes. Justin Jefferson is on IR, which opens up the door for Jordan Addison. Addison played last weekend and you saw that he became the go-to for Kirk cousins. Um, KJ Osborne, Powell, bro. Yeah. KJ Osborne and Brandon Powell are, are two players as well. They they play on they play football. Uh, but for me in this spot, why I'm interested in this game is I think the with Kirk Cousins being 7100, he's not getting played. If I feel like kind of getting to Kirk Cousins, it's it's doubling with Addison and Hawk. It is and getting one of the Bears running backs and DJ Moore because I don't really want to get too complex with it. Um, don't want to think about, oh, right now it's trying to figure out whether it's going to be Deontay Foreman or it's going to be Roshan because if it's if Roshan clears protocol, it's going to be him. 
I don't know if that's going to happen. Obviously, we are doing the show on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, so it's not exactly we're going to have the news, but there's a chance that we see a full-time running back that's sub-5K in a game where Kirk Cousins is very popular, very expensive, but it's the Chicago Bears. They're one of the worst pass defenses in football. They're not getting any better on that end. Jordan Addison is not very expensive, while TJ Hawkinson is. TJ Hawkinson will probably be the go-to in the red zone because I don't see anybody else in the passing game uh, being an option from that area of the field. Uh, the way that both of KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison win, they're going to have to win down the field, not necessarily in that short area towards the red zone. So the way I'm playing the Vikings will be Kirk Cousins with those two. Um, I will say Alexander Madison, if I don't get to Jordan Addison or TJ Hawkinson in this matchup, the Bears have struggled against pass-catching running backs. We saw it with Antonio Gibson on a big catch on Thursday Night Football. We've seen it throughout the season just because they don't defend screens well. They don't defend running backs out of the backfield. I'm not sure why that's the case. Alexander Madison still kind of has this somewhat full-time role. He's dropped plenty of passes this year. He hasn't been very good, but it doesn't seem like the field is going here. Um, and I think he's a good mini stack if you go to just... DJ Moore. DJ Moore in this game is the only Bears receiver I have any interest in. He's the only way that Justin Fields has a great game. Um, DJ Moore and Justin Fields is another very viable option. Brian Flores will probably play a lot more zone coverage, and he's going to send it, and Justin Fields has been phenomenal against blitzes this year. I remember you pointed that out in week two or week three of the show, so obviously the numbers back it up for Justin Fields to have a great game. And you can still go DJ Moore with Justin Fields and get Hawkinson and Jordan Addison in your lineup to kind of tie it all together and have this game actually explode. How are you playing this? And if you are playing this one. Yeah. So from a macro perspective, the matchup on, on the defensive side, both tilts towards the air from both of these defenses and it tilts towards the air in soft zone coverages. Um, yeah. We, when we get that set up, and when we take into account the fact that Luke Getze is trying to like transition Justin Fields into a pocket passer who can also run instead of building an offense around his elite athleticism, um, two very different things when you look at last year compared to this year. Um, and the fact that seven of the eight touchdowns that have been scored through the air the last two weeks have gone to either DJ Moore or Cole Komet. 80% of the yardage has gone to those two players. So if this game is blowing up and it's blowing up through Justin Fields, you can just double Justin Fields. You can bring it back. You can, I, I know, stick with me here. You can play a two tight end lineup with, uh, it's, it's, you it's did, taboo, dude. I said this last week and you were like, no, no, <laughs> this is different. This is different. No, you're this sucked, dude. Nuts. My idea is well, great. You're Dallas Goder and Kelsey <laughs> would have been fantastic last week. All right, yes. that would have been a very good lineup, but no. Yeah, okay. I, I concede. I concede. I was just speaking out my my nose so, here. So um, now you have two tight yeah. ends in your lineup. Say it. I'm MMEing, dude. So whatever. I don't even know what's going to be in my lineup. <laughs> just gonna. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think you can. This is one of those unique instances where, because Justin Jefferson is out, because we know that the pass rate over expectation value for Minnesota is off the charts. We know that this team is likely going to surpass 40 pass attempts. If Chicago is turning this game into something where it's a back and forth affair between 
two one and four teams, there could be some interesting fireworks. And I think both offenses are probably concentrated. All that to say, like you're um, bringing up the the overstack of the Indian Jags game. You can do that here as well. Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Cole Komet with TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. And just like make a, a full on I'm all in uh, nod to this game environment erupting because both of these offenses are likely to bias towards the air. And both of these offenses are likely to be extremely concentrated through the air. Yeah, I think this is the week where that's the pathway to kind of victory. That's the way that I would treat um, this entire weekend as itself. I know that you're kind of genuinely doing, generally doing that, but with the bye weeks and with the limited games and with the fact that a lot of these games are not projected to have high point totals, I think getting the one that is in overstacking it is the pathway to having a great GPP finish. It kind of feels like when I, again, last season, uh, was all over the Seattle Detroit game. This is where like that Jaguars uh, Colts game feels that way. This Minnesota Chicago game feels that way, which is weird because it's you know non uh, it's divisional opponents. Usually division games are not the the highest over under. I still feel that way about Detroit and Tampa Bay. I know that you don't, but it's fine. Um, but let's move forward to the last game we are going to talk about. It's the highest over under in the slate at forty nine points. The Rams are seven-point favorites. It's the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. For me, the way that I'm playing this game is through Matt Stafford. This offense is going to be... I'll say this. I think the Rams are the third-best team in the NFC. They pushed the Philadelphia Eagles. They pushed the 49ers more than anybody has this entire season. Mm -hmm. And against 49ers, they have Cooper Cup. This offense with Matt Stafford can keep pace with any offense in football right now. And when I watched that Eagles game, he missed so many throws that I've seen Matt Stafford make throughout his entire career. And that was just a timing thing with Cooper Cup. That was a little miscommunication with how he wanted uh, Tutu Atwell to uh, cut off his route. And if he hits those throws, like the whole game has changed. I posted a video on my Twitter at Jordan Bank DFS. You can see the 2-2 Atwell play that I'm talking about that would have given them a 50-plus yard touchdown and given them the lead. Now you bring in the Arizona Cardinals. First off, the Arizona Cardinals made everybody think that Joe Burrow's back. It's it's a very uh, easy thing. Daniel Jones, when he pushed the ball down the field against them, he killed them. So they did play well against Dak Prescott. We just saw Mike McCarthy's offense. His offense is very outdated. Sean McVay isn't. Sean McVay is running a blend of San Fran and Miami but in his style with the Rams, it's kind of hard to articulate, but they have Cooper Cup and Pukunukua who will dominate zone coverage and they will just keep interchanging them just to frustrate you as a defense and just to kind of get you in this mindset of like, oh, we can't play zone anymore. And then once you go zone, then Tutu Atwell has a lot of big play opportunities. And if your corner is a step too slow, it's going to be a touchdown. So for me in this game, Stafford's extremely popular this week, as he should be. Um, mm-hmm. I think the way that I want to play it with the value of Josh Downs, the value of Jordan Addison, some of the other players in this entire spot is onslaughting the Rams, onslaughting Matt Stafford, and the Cardinals, they love zone. They do not like playing man coverage. I think this is a spot where I'm going to find my way to getting the two high-priced receivers 
of Puka Nakua in Cooper Cup with Matt Stafford because I don't think the field is going to get there as much as it kind of should. And in this spot with the value that's on the slate, it's just very, it's not easy to get to, but it's like Chuba Hubbard now is a 4,300 running back. Roshan Johnson's 4K. Like there's a lot of 4K running backs. There's a lot of sub uh, 5,500 running backs that allow you to go get two 8K receivers with Matt Stafford in this game. And from the Cardinals perspective, they have a running back that's super cheap. I'm not sure I'm going to be playing that side of the ball. I, I don't. Josh Dobbs is missing too many throws. The Rams play coverages that Josh Dobbs doesn't see well. And it's one of those matchups where sometimes I don't see him. Uh, I see him failing, but I don't see him bringing along a pass catcher. And I think the Rams can kind of treat it like the 2021 Rams, where Stafford's throwing for 350 and four touchdowns, and they win 28-31-7. to seven. How do you feel about this game? I remember to come off of uh, of mute. Um, yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Um, at some point, and we I keep harping on this. At some point, Matthew Stafford is going to pierce 300 yards, which he's done three out of five games, um, and he's going to also throw for three or four touchdowns. Um, what better spot to do that against the zone heavy um, Cardinals defense with a healthy Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua? Uh, 100% agree. Tutu Atwell is kind of the man beater of this offense because he is the motion man. He is the guy that um, it, they are able to generate that space within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage for um, against zone. It's like Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. I mean, look at Puka Nakua has over 30% targets per route run rate against zone coverage this year. Um, and without Cooper Cup, uh, and, and we even saw that continue last week with Cooper Cup against zone coverages. Puka Nakua had a 32% targets per route run rate. That's down this season to like 17, 18% against man. So against a defense that we know is going to play a ton of zone. Uh, yeah. Cooper cup, Puka Nakua, they are priced up. No one's going to be playing them together. I think you can do it with Matthew Stafford very easily. And it's probably leverage off a highly owned um, Kyron Williams because he's kind of the cheapest primary piece of this offense. Uh, I think he's going to get some interest as well. So, yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better, man. I like that. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I do think it's viable to play the the Stafford RB receiver build kind of the way that, again, you and I have talked yeah. about that not being oh, not being played enough, near nearly enough. So, like, if you want to buy into the chalk, uh, Kyron Williams, like, I don't blame you for going Cooper Cup, Kyron Williams, and Matt Stafford. Reminds me of Daryl Henderson, Cooper Cup, and Matt Stafford back in 2021. And then I think Cam Akers towards the end of that year. Those were yeah. those were viable GPP winners because Sean McVay just kind of does his thing and, and gets it done. Any love for Tyler Higby in this one? Or is that just kind of... No. Nice, nice, nice. That, <laughs> you, you got me. You got me quick there. So, all right. If anything else left to say about that one? Um, I think that you should not feel forced to have a bring back um yes. you shouldn't you know, i think that's if if the, first of all that stack that overstack of the rams passing attack is likely going to go relatively under owned um and then people that do go there are going to say hi hey, i just spent ha almost half of my salary on these three guys i have to find a cheap bring back from the spot you do not uh i would not force that um this week because it's much more likely that the rams just score 35 points and the cardinals don't <laughs> <laughs> then the Cardinals push the Rams to score uh, 35 points. That That is fair. So 
All right, let's get into the last part of the show where we give our favorite values and our slate breaker. Hilo, I'll kick it to you. Who is your favorite value on the slate? Favorite value is probably Joshua Downs. Uh, it's just Josh, by the way. He just goes by Josh. Uh, Josh Downs. Um, we look at his uh, target rate and his numbers with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. He is the second favorite target of Gardner Minshew. We think that the Colts are going to have to pass uh, at an increased rate in this spot. Um, and Josh Downs is a guy that has a legitimate path um, to on find 10 to 12 targets uh, and pierce 100 yards and potentially find a score in there. He's priced at only 4,100 uh, on DraftKings. And yeah, I'll be playing him a lot. This is not a name I expected to say, but Robert Woods. Have you seen his splits versus man coverage? <laughs> yeah, I have. It's he just that his ADOT is low. Yeah, he has over 30% target share versus man coverage. We know that. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is going to go and cover Nico Collins. He's going to kind of treat it similar to the way that we talked about the Jaguars. I don't know. I have something to say about that, but continue. Sorry. He's not. Okay. So Marshawn Lattimore is not going to necessarily like shadow everywhere because Nico Collins does. The, the Slovak can get him away from him. But regardless, I see this as a spot where it's similar to the way that Adam Thielen operated as for the Panthers against the Saints where he's getting just matchups he can win. And with his target share against man coverage, it's kind of like the way that I felt like Adam Thielen. Like, why is he 3,800? Like, we know Tank Dell is most likely out in this hot spot. So yeah, he's John been Matthew, ruled out. Yeah, he's out. ruled out. Okay. So yeah. with him out, like, we know what Robert Woods is going to do. Like, I feel like he's just a safe option. He's getting a lot of love. Again, one of those 3,800, 4,100 receivers that you can find yourself to. And I don't really think you need to like mini at all. Or he's just one of my favorite values on the, uh, on the slate this weekend, but Hilo, give me your slate breaker real quick. Um, not a necessarily a rebuttal on Robert Woods, but just, um, something to consider. Um, typically Marshawn Lattimore is going to play his Island type role in more against offenses that are more built straight up. So they're running the standard like one to nine routes. Bobby Slowick's offense is closer to Mike McDaniels than it is to one of these straight up offenses. Um, he, these layered route concepts. So I think that Nico is going to see a lot more time over the middle of the field in this spot because Bobby Slowick is a forward thinking offensive coordinator um, to try and keep him away from the, and yes, like, Nico Collins is a six foot four wide receiver who runs a four five forty. He's typically the like the archetype of wide receiver that Lattimore is going to be put on. Yeah. Um, but I just think that there is. I'm highly interested in Nico Collins this week because of Bobby Slowick and who he is. So it's not a spot where I'm fading um, Nico, uh, but I get the Robert Woods, and I think both of those can be true. So this wasn't to just say like. I'm not into Robert Woods this week. I think both of those can be true. Um, I just think that this offense is a little bit more dynamic um, and is going to give the Saints some fits here. To me, interesting one. I, I agree that this is a that's an interesting game because it's CJ Stroud just played the scheme pretty much uh, with the way that Atlanta runs it. It's very similar to uh, the way that New Orleans runs it. Atlanta is a yeah. slightly different tweaks. Obviously, every defense kind of is, but regardless, it's a it's an interesting one. CJ Stroud should have thrown like three picks in that game. Jesse Bates had him on a few of those, but I yeah. will give me your favorite slate breaker. So this is okay. We'll just, I'll say it first. Devonta Smith. Um, and the reason is 
I think if I am sitting in the Jets room right now and trying to game plan about how we keep our team in this game, first and foremost, it's to remove AJ Brown. Um, and so we're likely going to see man coverage plus some help potentially on AJ Brown. And we also have this offense in Philadelphia that does subscribe to the squeaky wheel stuff. <laughs> like we saw it last week. Look, Dallas Goddard had done nothing through the first four weeks of the season. And he sees three of the first four targets. He gets fed work throughout the game. And so Devonta Smith has not really done much this season, but he's still an elite level talent. So one, we talked about kind of, there is value on the slate. We're going to see people be able to pay up for multiple high priced wide receivers I can almost guarantee that one of those guys is not going to be Devonta Smith this week. So a lot just goes into that. Like, I don't, I'm not out here calling that Devonta Smith is going to be like a top three wide receiver on the slate, but he's definitely going to have more than a two, three, 4% chance of doing that. Um, and that's kind of in that leverage piece. So when we're talking about slate breakers, that's not just like this guy's going to score a lot of points. Um, that is like, this guy's going to score a lot of points uh, potentially at low ownership. And I think that's Devonta Smith this week. So I agree with that. I actually do like Devonta Smith. He has made my pool, my, my pool this week. My I think pool. that uh, uh, I agree. I, I also think that if the Jets want to live in too high, like he can get it done. Um, he's at a spot where it is targets per route run is 0.16. His, his yards yeah. per route run against too high is 3.2. So like he he's yeah. doing it with limited targets and it's just, the only concern I have is AJ Brown's vocal. Dallas Godair is vocal. I think those two are the personalities that they have is like, hey, give me the rock. Like Devonta Smith doesn't come off that way. He has a very like, you need me, I'm here. Very Amari Cooper level. Like, if you don't yeah. need me, like I don't as long as we're winning, I don't really care. But if you if we're losing and you need me, then you're not throwing me the wall, there's gonna be issues. But Regardless, it's just kind of how I've been uh, looking at him, which is my biggest drawback from him. But mm -hmm. I think the player that I have for breaking the slate at receiver that I think is going to be less popular and he's projected to be right now, it's Brandon Ayuk. I love the Browns defense. Yes, sir. They Let's are go. phenomenal. They are one of the best in the NFL. They're a defense that I've said I've avoided and all this other nonsense. But the 49ers are a juggernaut. And when you look at Ayuk, the Browns live in single high. I said it from the week one. I was like, man, this is a perfect spot for the Bengals. Got killed. But then you watch the Bengals get killed for the next four weeks. So it's like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, wait. Okay. They're just bad. Um, we know PJ Walker's playing. So we know the Browns' offense isn't going to be very good. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to move the ball against 49ers. It's going to be one of those spots where they're going to get tired and just kind of get, they're going to have to stop McCaffrey. So for me, Brandon Ayuk against single eye coverage, five yards per route run this year, 34% targets per route run. That is some of the highest metrics in the entire NFL. Watch the Cardinals game if you want to see him against single high coverage. Watch what he was doing to those DBs. Yes, the Browns are better defense backs, but Brandon Ayuk is one of the top dogs in the league right now. I think he's the most underrated receiver in football. And 
the 49ers defensive backs have to be paying attention to McCaffrey, which is going to allow Brandon Ayuk to have a little bit more freedom. And Kyle Shanahan's going to get him in a position to win. So Ayuk is my slate breaker this weekend. Looks like we have um, question, a fantasy question in the chat. This is We are a DFS show, but I will um, answer this. Olave, Metcalf, Barkley, and Logan Thomas for you're getting Devontae Adams, Ridley. No. I don't think Olave Metcalf, Devontae Adams. Oh, you're getting three running backs? Yeah, you're getting three running backs in this trade. You don't need running back. Oh. Put it on the board, dude. Put it on the screen. That's his team. That's his so team. The one two above it. Yeah. So he's trading Olave Metcalf Barkley and Logan Thomas. And he's receiving. Devontae Adams, Ridley, Madison, Stevenson, Rashad White. Stevenson and Rashad White are just nothing. You're just not starting them. I'm trading with Saquon. Saquon. At running back, he's got Montgomery, James Cook, McLaughlin, Jeff Wilson. I'd say Pat, man. Yeah, I don't think you need to. This is a lot of moving pieces. And uh, as always, we we DFS guys at heart. So, um, that price, you gotta you gotta add up the price in DFS and be like, all right, am I winning this trade? <laughs> I would not be doing that. But that is all we have for the Cover Five show. Hilo, do you have anything else before we close out the show? Uh, I've said this on three. This will be the third show already this week. I was waiting uh, all week for the Brandon Ayuk receiving line yardage prop to come out. It was released at forty one point five yards. And I put so I put five units on it. Uh, that's that's a high confidence bet. Uh, the over there, I love the call. Love Brandon Ayuk. I'll be playing him in DFS as well. Out. Let's go. Hilo has been killing it on props and DFS or props DFS yes. MME. We don't want to talk about it. If you want to go talk about it, go look at his uh, most recent post about how his MME experience went. I'm sure he's going to go back to the table because you can't just give up after one week. Appreciate you guys tuning into the show. As always, check out all the content we have on the 33rdteam.com. My main slate article will be up tomorrow. Hilo uh, has plenty of articles coming out over the weekend. You can check back to our lineup recap. Be sure to check out everything. We got fantasy rankings. We got some breakdowns from Andy Benoit that are exceptional. Some of the stuff to preview the matchups for this upcoming weekend. But that is all we have. Be sure to subscribe and tune in to the Cover 5 show next week.